welcome to episode seven. So glad you're here listening to us on your preferred podcast platform or watching us on Rumble. Please don't forget to subscribe to both. It's free. Also, give us some feedback. You can give us feedback through the rating or you can send it to the Greg and Dave show at Outlook.com. The Greg and the letter N Dave show at Outlook.com. So when you give us feedback, if you say this show sucks, we need something a little more specific about that. You know, so maybe dig a little deeper. All right. Headlines only. First, I want to say, if you haven't already, you've probably heard this stuff. The Trump announcement, he said he's going to run again. Um, Did you hear about the 15,000 Iranians there? They took a vote and they decided to execute all 15,000 protesters. So I I want you guys to let that sink in where you have, a, I don't know what it's called, their version of a parliament. So it was like over 200 votes in the positive to, to, to execute them, and like 63 people voted against it. So 15,000 people, Iranian protesters, uh, they voted to execute 15,000 of them. Is that like half a stadium? So, does that qualify as a humanitarian crisis? Or <coughs> I mean, it's a good question. And you know that this administration won't do anything about no, it. Of course. They've talked about sanctions. But anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there to you. I don't have show notes for that. And the headlines only I don't have show notes for because of the limitation on the podcast platform that we're using limits the number of characters so which basically is links to all the things we talk about so I just saved those links for the actual topics that we dive into if, if, if you want the link to whatever headline we give you just let us know and I'll send it to you alright so this section is going to be called election AAR after action review so if you're military or former, law enforcement, federal, whatever. That stands for after action review. So what's that mean? So a good example, I'll use myself as an example, is when we would run drills, afterwards we'd sit down and talk about it. What went right, what went wrong, what was this and what was that. A good AAR is like a good ass chewing. You know, if it's not one of those, then it's probably kind of a weak AAR. But anyway, you get the idea. So, we have a civil war going on within the Republican Party. It's pretty safe to say. We definitely, and you've probably heard this, need to ditch Mitch the whiny bitch. (laughs) Uh, Okay, I, I know I just said that, but I'm just saying we need to get rid of him. Um, you know he held money from a lot of the conservative uh, candidates that were out there. Anyway, he he holds money back from candidates that would vote against him once they got into power. Uh, and, and you've seen him. He's just... He's not doing what he's doing. I mean, he was there 
when Adam and Eve were there. You know, he's it's just <laughs> but he's been there for he's gotta go. He was father of the serpent. Man. It's interesting though that he's accomplished nothing that you can point to, but yet he continues to be the head of the party or the, the majority, regardless of how midterms or general elections. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a pretty impressive feat that he's been able to, to accomplish that. Um, he got the purse strings, and that's how he gets them to bend the knee. I read an article sometime where they referred to him as a knife fighter. I mean, he is pretty shrewd, man. And yeah. even tonight, I said today, you know, he's back up there again. I don't know how he keeps pulling it off, but he does. Yeah. So, first thing I got to ask is what's wrong with the people in PA? You voted for another vegetable. If you didn't vote for Oz, you voted for Fetterman. That's how that works. I get Oz wasn't a strong candidate, but as I say, we're at war. And you don't go to war with the soldiers you want, you go to war with the soldiers that you have. And Oz was it. So the people of PA that didn't vote for Oz are contributors to what's coming, higher crime, more attacks on the Second Amendment, higher gas prices, which leads to higher goods and services, 87,000 IRS agents supporting abortion, etc., etc. Well, that, that would be for the people of Pennsylvania, right? They, they had an opportunity, I mean, regardless of how uh, strong a candidate Oz was. That really would have only improved for them, per se, because it was already a blue state. So, nothing changed. Yeah, it just would have been a Senate seat that we would have picked up. Um, So the next time someone you love falls victim to anything I just mentioned, or worse, make sure that you look yourself in the mirror and say, I did that. (laughs) (laughs) You voted for a Biden mini-me. And you should be ashamed. What else can I say? Now, if you're interested in in redeeming yourself, here's an idea. You can pay for your pens. Go to TeamHerschel.com and give the best donation you can. TeamHerschel.com Now, a lot of people are saying, it doesn't really matter now because even if Herschel does win, it's just still going to be 50-50. I don't care. We'll take whatever inch we can get. Warnock. I call him Warlock. That's what I call him. He needs to go also, and we're going to get into more detail about I mean, he's when the Bible talks about false prophets. Uh, that that's him. That's actually him. I mean, the the whole landscape is is just all the way jacked up, and you have two things being true, right? You have the landscape horrible candidates, establishment candidates, and you have an electorate that has clearly said we are not going to be taken for granted. Don't think that just because you have an R next to your name that you automatically I mean, that's one of the reasons why Mitch is still there, right? So, um, they I think we have a situation where there might be a lot of people who are like well, to hell with it. You know, just let it all go to hell because um, 
the city to the ground if they don't get what they want. And when they don't get they want, they throw their, their, their tantrums. And, um, and I think that people that are right-leaning, anywhere from the progressive left to the <laughs> is right-leaning, right? Um, independent, centrist, moderates, uh, certainly libertarian. But the, the issue is when they really needed to show up, they did. And they've been burnt time and time and time again. And you just, you can't take people for granted that way. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, they've, they've been burnt before. Because Lindsay uh, McConnell sure about him. I mean, definitely Liz. I mean, they're, uh, what's this guy's name? Um, Pierre de, <laughs> <Pierre> de <Lecto. laughs> Right? These guys are, are, are really in name only. Right? So, they campaign on uh, lining themselves with Trump. Right? They get yeah. elected. And then, as soon as they're in, they start to distance themselves. They start to go against, and people only voted for them because they appeared to align themselves with them. So I, I, we were talking about the numbers over the weekend: six million more votes, yeah. Republican votes, yeah. than the Tea Party got in 2014. That is significant by any measure, and the question has to be asked: Where did those people show up to vote? Candidates that have aligned themselves with the MAGA ideology in earnest are the people that would get the support. It's clear as day. Um, when we talk about Marjorie Taylor Greene, even DeSantis, you know, DeSantis governance. That was the only state that actually had a red wave. Yeah, yeah, but his governance is built on the MAGA ideology. Yeah, yeah. In <laughs> and Trump supported him. Which probably helped him get elected because he barely got elected when he ca first came in. Yeah, I mean he beat Chris by what 1.5 million votes, but aligning himself with that ideology yeah, is right. what propelled him to the success that he's had as governor. And you see it with uh, several candidates. Um, Carrie Lake, I mean, what's going on there is completely insane. Well, let's, let's, let's touch that because uh, Arizona and California, uh, ballot harvesting, and what's the other one? Mail-in ballots. Mail-in ballots is legal. And I think part of the problem for us is that we view it as unlawful, which it should be because it is in every other state. But if it's legal in that state, we need to – Accept it and exploit it, just like they do. Because uh, the way they count it so slow, you could see that it. They, they as the Cary Lake votes came in, they could see how many votes they needed to throw in. Yeah, and it's, it's not just that they counted slow; they stopped the vote, which is exactly what they did. Uh -huh. Um, with twenty twenty. Yeah. I mean, that is unprecedented. 
it, it really is. Like you allow these people to get away with this, there's nothing they won't do. Mm-hmm. They will do as much and as often as they're allowed to get away with. That that is just human nature. You know, you let someone steal without consequence. Mm-hmm. They will steal as much as they possibly and humanly can. That that's just yeah. how it goes. Alright. Let's dive into uh <laughs> Alright, so this headline is take a close look at Reverend Raphael Warnock as US Senate candidate for Georgia. This is from the Citizen by Ed Sherwood, November 27. Right. Uh, Reverend Raphael Warnock is personally engaging, likable, and has a warm smile. He is a superb orator, master pulpiteer, and scholar with many accomplishments. He says he has a, sort, a soft side as a man who likes puppies. As current pastor of historic Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta, Reverend Warlock has inherited the mantle of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., the very man who gave his life to achieve unity and equality between blacks and whites. King's principal belief was Christ's teachings of love for one's neighbor and fellow man would overcome hate and win out. Dr. King's legacy is in large part responsible for Warlock being a formidable candidate for the U.S. Senate in Georgia. What is not clear to many is Reverend Warlock's faith is radically different from Dr. King's. Warlock is a devoted adherent to black liberation theology, which is Christian in name only. Unlike Dr. King, Warnock's beliefs are a significant departure from historic biblical Christianity. His views are well explained in his widely available 2014 book, The Divided Mind of the Black Church, Theology, Piety, and Public Witness. One need only read Warnock's introduction to grasp how he views the Christian church as, quote, a community formed in memory of Jesus Christ. Close quote. He then says the members of the church, not scripture, may shape the mission of the church. Why does this matter? There is no religious test for public office, so what difference does his religious views make? A good question which deserves a full answer. First, in his book, Warnock describes his beliefs as black theology, dropping the term liberation, which is a well-known link to the sect's neo-Marxist roots. This also creates the impression black theology is, or should be, the common practice of every black church. Far from it, the vast majority of blacks and black churches hold orthodox traditional views of the scriptures and teachings of Christ. Second, unlike historic Christianity, Warnock's faith is a political ideology practiced as religion. Let me read that again. Unlike historic Christianity, Warnock's faith is a political ideology practiced as religion. Should Warnock remain a pastor, he is free to preach, practice whatever religious or political philosophy he believes. If elected to the U.S. Senate, he will also be free to bring his radical views to all Georgia and beyond. 
But first, he must, he must pass muster of Georgia voters. And his leftist political ideology does not preach well throughout Georgia. This is why millions of political funding is coming into our state to support his election. Third, Warnock was educated and trained as a black liberationist. He earned his master's and doctorate at Union Theological Seminary in New York City. Dr. James Cone, founder and father of Black Liberation Theology, was his doctoral, doctoral advisor and close personal mentor until his recent death. Cohn adopted the Marxist tenet that life is a struggle of the oppressed against oppressors. He defined the oppressors as whites in the white church and the oppressed as blacks in the black church. He then redefined the purpose of the Christian faith as deliverance from oppression. Fourth, Warnock has proved himself to be more of a follower of Cohn than Christ. Dr. Cohn writes in his foundational book, Black Theology and Black Power. We cannot solve ethical questions to the 20th century by looking at what Jesus did in the first. Our choices are not the same as his, Christ's. Being Christians does not mean following in his steps. All right, let me read that again. Let's see, that's a quote. We cannot solve ethical questions of the 20th century by looking at what Jesus did in the first, in the first century. Our choices are not the same as his, and his being Christ. Being Christians does not mean following in his steps. Close quote. This is directly contrary to Jesus' words. Quote, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Close quote. Matthew 16, 24. Fifth, Warnock stands by those who denounce America. In a March, uh, in a March 20, 2020, AJC newspaper article, Warnock justified fellow black liberationist Reverend Jeremiah Wright's profane condemnation of America. Remember that. Not God bless America, but God America. Warnock continues his support of Wright even after President Obama separated himself from his former longtime Chicago pastor. Warnock is quoted in the recent article as saying, those critical of Wright, quote, failed to grasp the deeper meaning of Wright's sermon or the unique role of black pastors who are not religious leaders, but social justice activists, close quote. Sixth, Warnock's honest admission that he too is a black liberationist makes it clear he is seeking election to gain power and a larger platform for his brand of social activism. Blacks, Latinos, Asians, whites, and others should understand that Warnock's black separatist political beliefs will not bring unity in hearing and healing for Georgia or America. Instead of overcoming racism, there will be increased divisiveness, disunity, and distrust between all races. Seventh, Warnock and other liberationists are allies with progressives like John Ossoff, who is running for the other U.S. Senator seat in Georgia. Both have neo-Marxist beliefs in common. Both want to deconstruct and radically transform America. Socialism is their, socialism is their solution for America's societal ills. Certainly, racial discrimination must be overcome in America, but socialism is not the answer.
Eighth, and finally, as a black liberationist, Warnock believes systemic racism by white supremacists is the foundation upon which America was established and continues as a nation. He views the U.S. Constitution, our system of law, and free enterprise all as corrupt and needing radical transformation. He also supports unrestricted abortion on demand, gay marriage, transgender biological males competing with biological females, and a long list of other progressive socialist issues, including weakening our law enforcement and military. The upcoming senatorial election is a vital one for Georgia and our nation. Who to vote for is an individual decision, but it should be decided on the basis of race alone. But it's, <laughs> sorry, let me read that again. But it should not be decided on the basis of race alone. You may believe, as I do, Reverend Warnock is a sincere man of humble beginnings who wants to change America, but the important question for me is, does he love the America that is, uh, is or the socialist America he wants it to be? In my view, his political beliefs answer the question beyond any doubt, how could a man who loves puppies be so wrong? So we've all heard about false prophets. We've heard about the homosexual movement becoming more powerful in churches and taking over churches. And so when I heard the name false prophet, he, he now comes to mind. Because I don't know if you've seen pictures of him when he's got his robes on. And there's going to be a special kind of place in hell for people like that because they're a leader over a flock. And they are misleading that flock. Yeah, he ought to give a cult. Um, you know, <laughs> when we look at how these things manifest, it's despicable and as incredible as they are. Uh, one of the things that often have to me personally remind myself, or not just remind, but always have a pulse on this that these things must happen so that the scriptures will be fulfilled. You know, when um, when Jesus Christ walked the earth and he was approached by uh, his disciples and the people about paying taxes to Caesar, he asked, do the children of the tax collectors pay taxes? said no. And he said, do the children of the people pay taxes? And he said yes. He said then, uh, rhetorically, then are we not free? They are not free. <laughs> right? Um, so, he was aware of the inconsistency uh, of the word. And he never really addressed it. What he said was, so that the scriptures be fulfilled, pay the taxes and send them to the fish where they get the money uh -huh. out of the fish to pay the taxes. Give the Caesar what is Caesar. Yeah. yeah. The point is, um, he didn't allow himself to be distracted from what was important by these issues. The, the world would continue to be, the world would be the world. There is no correcting this. There is no, 
the that is why it has to be destroyed. Alright? Mm-hmm. Um, you can't fix sin. That's why the whole concept of the rebirth is so significant. You can't rehabilitate that natural man. He has to die and a new creature, a new a new being comes into existence. It, 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 it can't be straightened. It, it no. will always be what it is. And we have to keep that in mind that people like Warlock, people like Wright, uh, people like Copeland, like Austin, these people will continue to exist and they will continue to thrive because they are of the world and the world will receive them. Uh, this too is scripture. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't get as as bothered by it as much as I used to. What gets me is how can people be so clueless? Yeah, that, <laughs> that That's the question that I now ask. Because we have access to more information today than ever before in human history. I mean, you can think of anything and just put it in your phone and you can get a trove of information. There is nothing that is off limits to find if you want to find. And even with that, it seems like people have become more ignorant, more dumbed down, more clueless, more uninformed, which, which is a mystery to me. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how much of a mystery it is because I think a lot of people see it, don't want to believe it, or more likely don't want to deal with it. Yeah, I could see that. I could see the latter especially. Yeah. I really can. They're, they're kind of comfy where they're at. So out of the corner of their eye, they see what's going on and they know it's bad. But if they address it, then that brings on a whole uncomfortable world that they don't want. Alright, this next article is from Christian Ethics and Biblical Worldview at Family Research Council. Warlock professes to be a Christian, but look what he actually believes. This is by David Clausen. Okay, this is December 6, 2020. So it's not like uh, Warnock's recently changed. Uh, the eyes of this political world are on Georgia where a pair of runoff Senate races will be decided control of the, of the U.S. Senate for the 117th Congress. Republican Senators David Perdue and Kelly Leffler are running for re-election against John Ossoff and the Reverend Raphael Warlock, respectively. While both races are important, Warlock's runoff against Leffler has injected faith into the contest and prompted voters to look into pastors' theological training, sermons, and ministry. What should Christians in Georgia know about Warlock? Warlock has pastored Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta for the past 15 years and previously pastored churches in New York and Maryland. Ebenezer is the same church where Martin Luther King Jr. served as pastor for 40 years and where his son, Martin Luther King Jr., served before leading the Civil Rights Movement. That we covered in the previous article. Warnock is a graduate of Union Theological Seminary in New York State, or excuse me, New York City, where he earned multiple graduate degrees, including Masters of Divinity, Philosophy, Doctorate in Philosophy. Because of the formative nature of theological training, as well as Warnock's 
long tenure as a student at the school, it is worth understanding a little bit about the seminary. Although Union maintain, although Union maintains that it's grounded in the Christian tradition, the seminary the seminary abandoned any semblance of orthodoxy decades ago. In fact, the student population includes Muslims, Buddhists, Hindus, Unitarian Universalists, and those who identify as pagan. Student groups on campus include Seminarians for Reproductive Justice, Queer Caucus, and wait for it. Yeah, Caucus for Queer People of Color. The school's liberal-leaning theology is not a recent trend. Rather, the seminary has been a bastion for liberal theology for over a century. In one well-known episode, German pastor Dietrich Bonhoeffer accepted a teaching position at Union Theological Seminary in 1939, but soon left in disgust. Quote, there is no theology here, close quote, he wrote. Quote, they talk a blue streak without the slightest substantive foundation and with no evidence of any criteria. The students, on the average 25 to 30 years old, are completely clueless with respect to what dogmatics theology is really about. They are unfamiliar with even the most basic questions. They become intoxicated with liberal and humanistic phrases, laugh at the fundamentalists, and yet basically are not even up to their level. Close quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. In short, the seminary's progressive worldview is contrary to scripture, and the school has been known to encourage and participate in heretical practices. For example, during one chapel service, students confessed to plants. During another chapel service, a ritual to melting ice was performed. Christian political engagement, including on the part of pastors, is good and should be encouraged. However, it is critical that pastors and church leaders running for office align their political platforms with the biblical worldview. Although Warnock is a pastor, his public statement statements make it clear that this, his theology and political views are not in step with a biblical worldview. For example, Scripture is unequivocally clear that the unborn are human persons whom God knows in the womb. However, when responding to a reporter's question about his stance on health care and abortion, Warlock said he believes abortion is a human right. Quote, for me, reproductive justice is consistent with my commitment to that. I believe unequivocally in a woman's right to choose. Close quote. Warlock has also made staunch statements concerning religious freedom and specifically its relationship to the LG, well, to the alphabet community. <laughs> uh, in an article for The Advocate, he wrote, quote, Here's what I know from over 20 years of a Baptist pastor. While faith is at, while faith at its best can heal and bring up, bring us closer together, too often I have witnessed it used to justify injustice against women, minorities, and especially alphabet people. 
faith wielded as a cudgel to harm our neighbor has no place in our pews, in our streets, or in halls of Congress. Did you guys hear that? He's talking about faith. In other words, and that's close, folks. In other words, Warlock believes that when your biblical beliefs or personal faith contradict the beliefs and convictions of the culture, your biblical beliefs or personal faith must yield to the culture. Evidently, Warlock places a higher priority on making people feel comfortable than challenged and convicted. Such prioritization is a clear red flag and cause for concern for evangelical Christians, Christian voters. While we are called to love our neighbor, Mark 12, 31, Matthew 7, 12, including those who disagree with us or hate us, Luke 6, 27, 32 through 33, Scripture also warns us to beware of spiritual teachers who reject sound doctrine in favor of telling people what they want to hear. 2 Timothy 4, 3 through 4. Borlach says that Christian engagement in the public and political context is vital to ensuring the continuation of faith in all facets of society. Of course, Christians should be engaged and participate in public policy. However, we must ensure our engagement is consistent with sound biblical doctrine. Who we vote for matters. And I just want people, I just want that to sink in for a moment. Who we vote for matters. Because the leaders we vote into office will influence society and directly affect our daily lives and the lives of our neighbors. Based on his public statements, Warlock is an example of someone who professes to be Christian and holds the title of pastor but does not hold or promote a biblical worldview, a.k.a. a false prophet. No, I think that's a chicken and egg <laughs> situation. It absolutely does matter who we, who we vote for. Oh, yeah. On the other hand, it is also true that... You understood an election. <laughs> <laughs> All things being equal. It is also true that people elect the person or the people is in touch with where the people are. For instance, uh, there's a Bible teacher that I, I listen to and follow quite a bit. His name is uh, Jacob Rash. And one of the things that he always says is nations get the leaders they deserve. There is no way person like Warlock would have been elected to public office in this country 20 years ago, 30 years ago, wouldn't have been. Because those views were, are so then so far from mainstream mm -hmm. norms and mores and, and the, the uh, spiritual condition of the people. He wouldn't stand a chance. And these people come in and they rise to power because there's a market for them. There are people that want what they have to offer. They like what they hear. And the scripture refers to them as people with itching ears. Mm. And as long as you see people like this coming out of the woodwork into positions of power, it is a, 
an indicator of where a nation is, of where, where the people stand, not just in respect to their moral compass, but in their relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are places where he would he would get run out of the thumbs for. Yeah, it, it, it really is an indicator of, of the condition of the people of, 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 of a nation when you see people like this. Um, there have been instances of people like this coming out and pushing themselves and they get, oh, well, <laughs> this will show you that it's in trouble. Muhammad. <laughs> right? When Muhammad was trying to advance Islam and the, the Quran, the people in the region, they chased him away, literally chased him away because he had a reputation. He said that he was possessed by um, Gabriel when he wrote the Quran. Mm-hmm. Um, but the people of the region ac- recognized him as someone with epilepsy. Mm. Right? Now, they uh, were from the same Middle Eastern region, right? So this is the, the Judaism, where Judaism has come from. But yeah, he was trying to encroach into the Hebrew belief of the people. And they said, man, get out of here. So he, he literally was driven into the desert. Hmm. And he found allies, people that he, he formed a band of, of brothers with. Um, and he made alliances with people along the way. Uh, he broke a lot of, of truces that he made. And when he got in a position of power, he would go back and retaliate against the people. And the people that drove him out, he went back to get them. So that, that is a, a very well-documented history of Muhammad that you don't really hear. No. Uh, and it's not exclusive to him. I mean, you can't. There are some places you go, you, you just can't speak that kind of nonsense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't. Um, well, that's the same thing with the Demo- the Democrat Party is, they can't run on the truth. They're always going to lie and say I'm for this, I'm for that, until they get into office. What What does it say now? <laughs> So the prophets prophesy lies and my people love it so. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Alright, this next one is Joe Biden's hate speech. This is some of the stuff we didn't get to from last uh, broadcast. This is from the New Yorker by Susan B. Glasses September 2nd. Now, you guys have heard the speech. I'm not going to read the speech. I just want to read a couple of things from the speech because we're probably going to get back into that rhetoric of hate speech this and hate speech that. And I just want you to remember where hate speech came from. Uh, quote, Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represent an extremism that threatens the very foundations of our republic. Close quote, Biden said. And then in episode four, a man runs over and kills a teenager because he was in a Republican extremist. Well, he said he was going to vote Republican. This was the guy's testimony. <laughs> oh, well, he said he was an, ext- an extremist. He said he w- he said he was what 
Biden claimed they the statement that he made the, uh -huh. the actual real violent rhetoric from uh, Biden. Uh, this guy carried it out. Right. Okay. He killed a teenager, and you guys remember. If you don't, go back to episode four and listen to that. Uh, let me read another one. Quote, dominated, driven, and intimidated by Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans. Close quote. That's Biden. And in episode five, or no, also in episode four, that's when we talked about the 84-year-old woman that was shot. Okay. And then in episode five, we followed up with the shooter says she was a right-wing nut. That's why he shot her. Quote, MAGA Republicans do not respect the Constitution, close quote. Of course, we know that the opposite is actually true, and we've talked about Saul Alinsky saying, you know, accused your enemy of what you practice. MAGA forces are determined to take the country backwards. Do you guys remember that? I like that visual of the dramatic red floodlights when he was speaking. <laughs> it was very dark. It was very sinister. Dark. It was, a, it was a blood red Nazi background. Yeah, these, these people don't care, man. There is nothing for them to be afraid of with respect to accountability and repercussion. Um, they have a machine in the media, mainstream media, that will run interference for them. Yeah. And, um, and that's huge. Yeah, it, it, is, it is significant. It, it really, humans are very susceptible There's a reason why the scriptures tells us to gird up the loins of our mind. That means protect your mind, guard your mind, secure your mind, and you always have to be vigilant with what you're exposed to, what you take in. Uh, this is for our benefit. And the fact of the matter is, if you don't guard your mind, you find yourself very easily seduced, misled, deceived, and you don't even realize it. And, and that is the state of a lot of hmm. people in this country today. They've let their guard down, and it, it's not that these tactics are ineffective. I mean, one of the things that continues to be a mystery to me, well, I have my theory about it, with the COVID lockdown where everyone lost their mind in the toilet paper. Mm. Right? And yeah, my wife were at home. I was like, what is this about? Yeah, cleaning wipes and all that. Yeah, and no, no, not the toilet paper specifically. Yeah. Right? Because at that point, diarrhea wasn't a symptom. Mm -mm. Right? I mean, some people have had, had gotten it, but it, it wasn't a, 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 a symptom that would have caused nationwide right. panic over toilet paper. And not only in the U.S., but in other countries as well. Yeah. yeah, back home it was the same thing. People lost their minds over toilet paper. And that really bothered me for a while. I was like, what is that about? And one day, I had a thought. I don't watch local TV. I don't watch network TV. Right? If I watch something, it would be, you know, um, channel or streaming mm -hmm. or DVD. I, I, so I don't watch commercials at all. Mm -hmm. And my theory is 
there was some sort of subliminal messaging that people were exposed to by commercials or something on network. That's my theory. Hmm. It might seem a little strange, but these things, for instance, you drive by, you see a billboard out of nowhere, you get a craving for a, a Sprite or a Coke or something. I mean, there's a reason why the marketing budget of corporations is more than any other department. Yeah, it is curious to why toilet paper was like gone yeah. all of a sudden. I mean, the, even the color like red encourages hunger, which is why 90% of fast food places have red lighting in their signage. Because it, in, it in encourages hunger, uh, it induces hunger. So this is real research and, and, and things that yeah, have been yeah, discovered yeah. that they put into practice why people buy certain things, what draws people to certain brands. This is a multi-billion dollar operation that has been studied and crafted and perfected to drive a consumer-driven wow. society. <laughs> so, I mean, now, most people think that they're making choice. I'll, I'll see if I can find this video. And... It was this guy, I think it was in the Macy's Day Parade some year, and he said, we want to give people the illusion that they made a choice. Mm. And I think this had to do with cigarettes, right? Mm. Um, his, his grandson, I think, is one of the founders of Netflix. That'll trace it back for me to tell you who this guy was. He's known as the father of propaganda of uh, uh, conditioning, mass conditioning mm -hmm. people. And in a Macy's Day Parade, he introduced some, a smoke, a cigarette, someone smoking during the Macy's Day Parade. Hmm. And cigarettes just became the fad across the country. As a well, have you ever heard uh, interviews with uh, former Russian plants that their job was to turn Americans towards socialism subliminally. Yeah. You know, and it was, so there was, yeah. I mean, that's definitely a tactic. Yeah, it, it works, man. <coughs> like, some people, like, why do people do what they, I don't know. What did, and they, they couldn't tell you exactly why they made a specific choice for a specific product at a specific time. And this is, the marvel of marketing, man. Yeah. Uh, it is a very, very powerful influence. It and really there is, is a lot of interesting psychology with it. Yep. Huh. All right, I'm going to skip this one article. It says, left's political violence tied to dangerous Democrat rhetoric. Rhetoric. And, cause, and then I'm going to go to number eight here because they're kind of the same thing. Scalise calls on Democrat leaders to stop violent rhetoric in Fox News op-ed. So, this is, I want to give you the date on this. This is a press release from Scalise, uh, October 11, 2018. Because I think, you know, when I read through this, I was like, wow, that's how long ago it was. And so, let's just take a moment to kind of re go over some of the rhetoric and remember some of these things that have happened. Sort of refresh our memory, like that time we forgot about the incident in Afghanistan and the withdrawal. 
you know, this crap, there's so much crap happening, it's hard to remember which crap is which or when it happened. Anyway, so it says here, I'm going to just gonna hit this. Beginning with my own near-death, this is Scalise talking, my near-death experience at the hands of a deranged shooter who sought to assassinate a baseball baseball field of Republicans, there is a growing list of violent or threatening actions taken against conservatives by Democrats. And that was what you talked about one time in that baseball field and yeah. he was shooting people. All right, here's one. Ashley Kavanaugh. Justice Brett Kavanaugh's wife and his daughters received multiple credible threats. Next, Dana Loesch, NRA spokeswoman, received death threats against her children on Twitter. Representative Diane Black, Republican Tennessee, received such a threatening phone call that the man has now been indicted. Jamie Gardner, wife of Senator Cory Gardner, Republican Colorado wife, well, excuse me, Republican Colorado, wife received a text of a beheading after the vote to confirm Justice Kavanaugh. Be- who does that? Several Republican senators had their personal information, including home addresses, posted to Wikipedia for threatening purposes by a Democrat House staffer. And you would think that any credible business would have not published that, but uh, you know, Wikipedia is not credible. <laughs> well, yeah. Several Republican senators had. Oh, I just read that. Uh, Congressman Clay Higgins, Republican Louisiana, received threatening phone calls that led to a man's arrest. Senator Rand Paul, Republican Kentucky, and his wife Kelly Paul have both received credible threats that have led to arrest. Senator Ted Cruz, Republican Texas, and his wife, as well as White House Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders, were chased out of restaurants. Now, you guys heard this stuff, but I, we just need to refresh your memory of how the right is being treated by the left. Uh, Department of Homeland Security Secretary Christian Nielsen was confronted by protesters and harassed out of a D.C. restaurant. Rudy Peters, a Republican California congressional candidate, was nearly stabbed while campaigning. My office has continued to receive threats against my wife that have led to arrests. And the list goes on. What it says. Why do you think that there's so many instances of this kind of thing? Uh, okay, yeah, if we're going to get spiritual, uh, I'll, I'll do a throwback to the 80s on uh, Saturday Night Live. Hmm, maybe Satan? <laughs> oh, did you ever watch Carrie? Oh, yeah, you? Jim Carrey. No, no, not Jim Carrey. It was Dana Carvey. Uh-huh. He did the church lady. Anyway, so I'm really dating myself. But anyway, uh, yeah, it's always that way. We, we really, that's not our first thought when we don't get our way is to go down and burn and pillage and murder people. Yeah, it, that is one, just what happens when you demonize a group of people constantly and you have a concerted effort to blame them for everything that goes wrong. What happened with the Jews and Nazi Germany? Mm. And what started happening was people were emboldened 
to attack these people, to try to kill these people, because they felt they were in the right. Mm -hmm. These people genuinely think that they are acting in the right when they do this because of the constant rhetoric, the name-calling, the demonizing of, of, uh, of a certain group of people. And it is now passé to assault or to try to kill a conservative Christian the same way 15, 20 years ago a child molester would have been mm. beaten within an inch of his life. Yeah. I mean, that's a serious leap because on the one hand, you have a, 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 a clear case of, of right and wrong, but the, the, the thought process and the behavior is the same. When you think you're acting in the right, you're emboldened to do what it is you're doing, knowing that the powers that be have your back. That's right. You can run over and kill a teenager. Yep. And he's let let go. Yeah, absolutely right. In fact, I was talking to a friend at lunch today. It's no longer right and left. It's gotten it's 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 actually right and wrong. <laughs> I mean, seriously, right? I mean, it, it is. It's not right and yeah. left anymore. It's right and wrong. I mean, it literally is right versus wrong. All right, this last is this the last one. Um, let's see. Oh, so this is another ex, ex trans teen to sue Kaiser Permanente over gender transition as, as a minor. Now, this gal is one that we read about before, uh, way back, uh, not way back, but <laughs> earlier. Um, so this same girl is now suing. But here's, here's a couple of things I want to point out. So, Chloe Cole, you guys remember her from an early episode. This is November 11th, 2022. By Brad Jones, um, Chloe Cole, who was prescribed puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, and then had her breasts removed when she was 15, says she will sue the medical group and hospital that facilitated the gender transition as a minor. She now deeply regrets. Now listen to this next sentence. The this is quotes. The adults who were supposed to take care of and guide me as a child failed to do so, and they will take responsibility for it. Close quote. Cole told the Epic Times on November 11th. Now, the reason that I highlighted that is because, you know what came to my mind when I read that? The adults who were supposed to take care of and guide me as a child failed to do so. You know, I mean, people may automatically jump to, oh, yeah, Kaiser Permanente, they're evil. But in my mind, jump to parents. Where, where, where were they? Your 15-year-old daughter is doing this and that, and you're like, hmm, yeah, that's cool. Ah, that just slapped me in the yeah. face. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you're right, because, I mean, she couldn't drive herself there. <laughs> and I know we want to say the parents were victims because they were bullied or whatever, but I mm -mm, I wouldn't have gotten bullied. I just would have been jailed. Yeah, that it is incredible what some people get thrown into the 
particular kids. But anyway, they, uh, it's an actual case. Chloe, now 18 years old, and her legal team, including Dillon Law Group and LaMondry and Jonah LLP, in conjunction with the Center for American Liberty, sent a letter to, of intent on November 9th, on November 9th to sue the per Permanente Medical Group. I thought she did. Kaiser Permanente stands accused of gross negligence, causing permanent irreversible mutilation and damage to her body. Which is true. Which should be very easy to prove, right? Mm -hmm. The only my concern is I don't have any I have very little faith in the judicial system. Mm -hmm. uh, so you know telling what that will go. Uh, I suspect they may try to settle out of court. Um, mm -hmm. Would she accept it? I don't know. The other thing is, if she wins, then it sets precedent. And as long as there is legal precedent, it will pave the way for others to do what she did. Uh, and I don't think they want that, or they will allow it, but hey. Uh, the letter alleges medical professionals informed Cole's parents she was quote, at high risk of suicide unless she socially and medically transitioned to appear more like a male. Close quote. What would their diagnosis of her suicide risk be now? I'm curious. Her parents were allegedly asked, quote, would you rather have a dead daughter or a live son? Close quote. And boy, we've heard that over and over. So, you're right. They should be held liable for, the, I mean, did they put that? Yeah, they says they wrote a letter. So Kaiser Permanente wrote a letter saying that your daughter needs to be transitioned. So that's that's definitely out of bounds. Um, of course, of course, we would have ignored it. Well, yeah, and not even been anywhere in this situation. But uh, I still feel like the parents were pretty responsible. Chloe is seeking punitive damage based on the evidence of malice, oppression, and fraud. The medical system. This is a quote. The medical system shouldn't dictate the future of young children's lives through this legal action. The professionals involved will be held accountable for their despicable plot to mutilate children and financially benefit from it. Close quote. Said Harmit Dillon, CEO of the Center for American Liberty. Quote, we will break the cycle of them breaking our children before it's too late. Close quote. So, I mean, there's more to that article, but I'm just going to stop there because that's... That, that is that. But I thought that was interesting. You're right. It does. If it is successful, it will set precedent, and hopefully, other parents will step up yeah, and pave the way. Yeah. Oh, this is some good news. <laughs> uh, Joe Biden. Let's see. The title is this one is Joe Biden bends the knee, bends the knee on student loan forgiveness, but his corruption looms large. Uh, this is from the Republican Daily by Admin, November 12th. Um, you guys may have heard this. There hasn't been a lot of good news over the last week, but one bright spot has emerged. According to Red State's prior reporting, a federal court in Texas struck down Joe Biden's illegal student loan forgiveness plan. Hallelujah. A nationwide, no less. Yeah. Now you remember any time, well, remember when Trump was president, all 
no matter what he passed or did, all these liberal judges would strike his stuff down. Yeah. And I'm so glad to yeah, finally see some testicular fortitude of these judges to do the same. You know? Uh, we already know how much this would have cost, how much BS this, this is. But it's good news to, to know. And from what I've heard, this judge, the way he wrote it, is superb. In other words, the way I understand it is a judge can take it and rewrite it and set it back for them to adhere to it, uh -huh. but he took this whole thing and said, "No, there's nothing that can be done. There is no rewriting this. Oh, okay. This is so much BS outside of the Constitution that it's just completely slapped down." Then you know what's funny though? Trump appointed more conservative judges mm -hmm. than any president. And yet, he faced so much opposition because these these uh, groups uh, would go shopping for a judge, and all of his, a lot of his legal um, challenges came out of the same two. That was in the Ninth Circuit. Oh my goodness! And Obama had his way with that because this judge in Texas, if I'm mistaken, is from the Eighth Circuit. If I remember correctly, um, and I could be wrong, but that Ninth Circuit Court, jeez, man. <laughs> I think Rush used to call it the Ninth Circus. Oh, oh my gosh. Anyway, so, how are you doing? <laughs> I like we always close with the idea of. You gotta have some kind of foundation to manage this madness. And it is madness. It really is. And it seems like people are being desensitized to the madness to where they're like, eh, okay. But we gotta hold fast, we gotta stand fast, we gotta continue to resist it. I don't know what we could say differently than what we've always said. You need to have God in your yeah. He needs you to be your anchor, and you can come to him and just lay all these things at his feet. In fact, I'll give, I'll, I want to give you an example of my devotional time, but this morning I had this thought. Because I'm always angst about the state of the country. You know this, right? Yeah. I'm always angst about it. And then I had this thought. I was journaling this morning, and it just occurred to me that uh, why am I so upset? I mean, think about this. If I was self-serving, self-centered, and me-focused only, I would be happy. All right. I have everything I need. I don't need anything. I'm well-blessed. So if I just focus on me, I don't have to worry about anything else. But for whatever reason, probably God intended, he ingrained in me a desire for all people to have justice for all people to be fought for yep. that makes sense yeah I, I agree I, I, I understand um, you know in the Fayyam community we have uh, what we call sheepdogs 
people that look out for the flock. Yes, yeah. discerning yeah. among us. Uh, the ones that are willing, like that young kid in that mall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There are people that just have that sense of of duty. Yes. Uh, whether it's they're born with it, whether it was through socialization and upbringing, there are some people that just have that makeup, and they tend to be a little more sensitive to things like that uh, that are happening on uh, a nationwide scale, impacting you know fellow fellow citizens because of that makeup there's this desire to want to find something to do to to come back or resist that fight against that Um, so I I get it man yeah fight back against evil protect those less fortunate Um, so what I just said about being selfish self-centered then that helps you see why many wealthy people don't care. It doesn't phase them. Because they are all self-focused and they have everything they need. Why should they care about someone else suffering? Like, in the prime example was, uh, I keep, keep forgetting the name. What's that, Gardens Place? Where, where the uh, DeSantis sent some Illegals. Martha's Vineyard. Martha's Vineyard. <laughs> That's it. Martha's Vineyard. And they're, they're, they're the p- most powerful, wealthiest people in the country. Right there. And always preaching, always saying, with open arms, we welcome the illegals. And That's I don't think, it, was it even, no, I don't know, in 48 hours, they <laughs> marshaled the <laughs> National Guard, bust those people out of there. Yo. Got them the hell out of there. So you can kind of see the, yeah. the huge hypocrisy. And, and that still won't register to some people. Yeah, I can't get that. I don't. Oh, that's just propaganda. Yeah, that's yeah. That that is the biggest mystery to me in all of this. Like, how can people be so cruel? I mean, the scripture gives an answer that when people reject truth and reject God consciously, over and over. Eventually, he gives them over to themselves, and at that point, there is no turning back. They're, they're done. Once they've been given over, there is there is nothing that can pull them back, because there's nothing that they'll they'll respond to, and they've made the choice to not respond to the 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 their conscience and the the Holy Spirit trying to impress upon them, and they willingly reject that turn the blind eye and the deaf ear and he said okay go and that that's where we are free will huh oh, all right so let's uh wrap this up um thanks for mu- so much for listening and your favorite podcast for watching us on rumble please subscribe it's free we really appreciate your prayers and support for sharing with your fa- friends family and enemies Reach out to us at the Greg and Dave Show, the letter N, Greg and Dave Show at Outlook.com. Give us your feedback. Until next time, stay safe.